2: Radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion.
3: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now in store or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
4: Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Wednesday the 14th of October, which means that if you live in Kansas, Rhode Island, or Tennessee, early voting is now open in your state. So go out there, get your vote in early, because that way you'll get the house to yourself when all your roommates are voting on election day. Yeah, think about it. It'll be the first alone time you've gotten all year. And you know what that means? Yeah, shake up a martini and celebrate being home alone, baby. Woo! Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, we catch up on some actual good news going on in the world. Roy Wood Jr. schools us on the black vote and the crazy plot to kidnap an American governor. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
1: From Trevor's couch in New York City
4: to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears Edition. Let's be honest, guys. There has been a lot of upsetting news over the last few weeks. Six months, year and a half, four years. And it only seems to be getting worse. Coronavirus, the Supreme Court, election anxiety, Emily in Paris, the list goes on and on. But it turns out there is still good news out there. So let's decompress for a moment with another installment of our ongoing segment, Array, of sunshine. Let's kick things off in Peru, the country best known for its adorable living piñatas. Like most of the world, the South American nation has been in lockdown for coronavirus, but this week it reopened its biggest attraction for one lucky guy.
3: Patience has paid off for a Japanese tourist who refused to let the pandemic ruin his trip of a lifetime. Jesse Katamaya wanted to end his journey around the world at Machu Picchu, the ancient mountain citadel in Peru. But he arrived in March. That was just as the country's COVID lockdown started. So Jesse did something cool. He rented a room. He studied yoga. He taught boxing to local kids and just waited. Word got around and on Sunday, Jesse was granted special access to Machu Picchu as the only visitor in seven months to be there before he headed home to Japan. Whether or not you care about Machu Picchu,
4: this story is inspiring because this guy had a goal during COVID and he waited long enough to make it happen. We can all learn a lesson from that. Whether it's visiting a 15th century Incan fortress or finally taking a shower today. You don't give up on your dreams, people. And I really admire this guy's patience. Cause after two days of waiting, I would have just paid some guy to Photoshop me onto Machu Picchu. See, looks natural as hell, and I'm ready to put it on my dating profile. But this story really has inspired me, you know? Like, I really think the world would be a better place if we all learned to be a little more patient. Like we're always in a rush. We always want to get somewhere. This person was like, I'm gonna wait and just take a moment. Which is why, before we move on to our next story, I would like us to just sit together quietly with our own thoughts for just a minute. Get a clock up here and we can we can just chill. All right, you get the point. Let's move on. Because the clock's gonna go to zero and then we end. You get you understand what's going on. Let's move. Let's move. Because adventure travel isn't everyone's idea of a good vacation. Sometimes you just wanna unwind. You just wanna de-stress a little. And if you can't make it to the beach, well, why not head out to the barn?
1: Well, people aren't getting in the hugs they used to before the pandemic. So if you need a hug, there's this. There is a Dutch practice called cow hugging where people literally hug cows for hours. The BBC says the cow's warmer body temperature, slower heartbeat and mammoth size can make hugging an incredibly soothing experience. And during the pandemic, cow hugging has apparently become
4: a lot more popular. Cow hugging? What a wonderful idea for humans. And I'm sure the cows appreciate this too. I mean, for centuries, we've just been milking them. It's about time we added some foreplay. It's also great because anyone can do it. You can just go to a farm and hug a cow. And if a regular cow isn't available, well, you can always hug your mama. No, but jokes aside, don't, don't hug your mom. It's a, it's a COVID risk. Seriously though, cow hugging does sound pretty sweet, but you have to be careful though because you don't want to be in a McDonald's in a few years from now going, don't look now, but my ex is in that Big Mac. This is so awkward. Oh, my God. Also, do you think about how confusing this is from the cow's perspective, right? One day, humans are coming over to kill you, and then the next day, we're coming over to hug? The cow must be like, look, man, either chop me up or put a ring on it, but enough with the mind games. But let's move on from cows to the cows of the sky. Birds. Oh, you guys don't use that expression here? Anyway, here's one bird who just had a remarkable achievement.
3: It is not news that birds migrate, of course, but this journey of this one bird is simply astonishing and has set a new record for nonstop flight. A bar-tailed godwit was tracked as it migrated from Alaska to New Zealand. And here's the deal, it flew up to 88 kilometers an hour, traveled over 12,000 kilometers in just 11 days. That's without stopping to eat, drink, or sleep. It beats the 2007 record when a Godwit flew over 11,500 kilometers in nine days. Godwits, on average, weigh less than a pound and scientists still don't fully understand how they navigate over the open water of the Pacific Ocean.
4: That is so cool. It is amazing that such a little bird could achieve so much, especially since big birds ain't achieving shit. I mean, this dude's been hanging out on the same street for the last 50 years? Get a job! It's also crazy that scientists say they don't know how these birds are navigating these long distances. Because, guys, it's so obvious. I mean, before the bird leaves home, it Googles directions and then just remembers them. Jeez, scientists are so dumb sometimes. I will say this though flying 12,000 kilometers with no food or water is really impressive. Although Spirit Airlines was like, yo, we've been doing that shit for years. Spirit Airlines, we're basically one step above migration. Moving on to the Nobel Prize, the award given to people who do smart brain thingies. The Nobel Prize is one of the highest honors a person can get. But if you think you're in the running, make sure you don't turn off your phone on award day.
1: Sometimes good news simply can't wait. A Stanford University academic racing across the street at two AM to wake up his colleague and deliver this life-changing message through a doorbell camera. Paul uh-huh. it's it's Bob Wilson, yeah. You won the Nobel. You won the Nobel Prize. And so they're trying to reach you. Paul Milgram and Robert Wilson have taken out the Nobel Prize in Economics for their work on auction theory.
4: Oh, that was the most adorable paranormal activity sequel ever. Although I feel bad for all the other nominees that this guy woke up that same night. Bing bong, bing bong, Richard, wake up. Richard, bing bong, you lost the Nobel Prize. Also, I'm stealing your Amazon packages. Bye. Bing bong, bing bong. And by the way, going to sleep the night that you could win a Nobel Prize is one hell of a flex. I mean, that's the Nobel Prize equivalent of taking a shot in basketball and then turning your back on the hoop before the ball goes in. I bet this guy got in bed and said, Kobe, and then fell asleep. And finally, some good news for people who love soap operas. Even social distancing rules can't stop your stories from getting hot and steamy.
5: We know the pandemic and social distancing. They aren't stopping the romance on the set of one CBS soap opera. Take a look. (laughs) That sounds like me laughing. Uh, That is a mannequin on the set of The Bold and Beautiful. Normally, actor Lauren St. Victor would be intimate with his love interest, Zoe. But Zoe was actually replaced by the mannequin. It's just one way the production is following (laughs) COVID-safe rules. It is kind of funny, right?
4: You see... You can make out with a mannequin. Take that, security guards at the Westfield Mall. Turns out I was just ahead of my time. But can I just say, on a personal level, I'm just so proud of that mannequin. I mean, last week I saw her working at The Gap and now now she's on TV. That's what makes this country so great. If you're a mannequin who believes in hard work, you can end up as a soap star or even as a White House advisor. But what I love most about this story is that apparently not having a kiss in the show just wasn't an option for them. Yeah. I mean, they could have just written around the kiss, but the producers were like, yo, there are two million horny grandmas watching this show. He's taking his shirt off and kissing something. All right, people, that's your ray of sunshine for the day. And I hope you enjoyed it, because when we come back, we'll look at how a militia allegedly planned to kidnap the governor of Michigan. We'll be right back.
3: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at TrinitySchool.org. That's TrinitySchool.org.
2: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of sh. Derek Hamilton was put away for murder by Detective Scarsella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation.
4: And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
2: Derek. And other convicted murderers. Started a law firm behind bars.
1: We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarsella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f***
2: themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts.
5: Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. By now, it is safe to say that the ongoing pandemic is driving a lot of people crazy. We're feeling cooped up, we're anxious. It's been months since we finally admitted that we don't like baking bread, but some people in Michigan have taken their frustrations a little too far.
0: There is a new focus on the threat of radical militia groups in this country after the arrests of extremists accused of plotting to kidnap the governor of
1: Michigan.
3: According to investigators, the so-called Wolverine Watchmen first plotted to storm the Michigan Capitol, then settled on kidnapping Governor Whitmer at her lakeside vacation home.
1: One of those charged in the kidnapping plot rebelled against the pandemic rules on social
2: media. Every single person that works for government is your enemy. Their
1: main
4: complaint seems to have been state restrictions imposed during the pandemic, especially the closing of gyms. God damn! These guys were apparently so mad about gyms being closed that they try to kidnap the governor? I mean, I get that it's frustrating to not be able to go to your gym, but I feel like on the list of solutions, kidnapping the governor should be below doing some push-ups. I mean, if you're upset about the gyms being closed, don't kidnap the governor, kidnap a personal trainer. In fact, kidnap my personal trainer. He said tomorrow we're doing burpees, and I don't know what that means, but I'm scared. And can I just say, angry white dudes are truly (laughs) on some other level. I mean, think about it, Flint, Michigan had dirty water that poisoned its own citizens for years, and those people stayed peaceful but these guys formed pale ISIS because they couldn't go to Planet Fitness? Now, unfortunately, this is hardly the first time we've heard about militias recently. They've been looming over protests and storming state houses since the early days of the pandemic, and I'm not gonna lie, this whole militia thing in America still blows my mind. I mean, when I first heard there was a group of young men who carry guns around and all dress alike, I thought, I mean, you can't fool me, that's, that's a gang. It's a super white gang, but that's a gang. But my second thought was, usually you only hear about armed militias in countries like (laughs) Afghanistan or Sudan, you know? So why is this something that is also going on in America? Well, let's find out why in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. (laughs) When you talk about militias in America, you have to start hundreds of years ago. Although back then, militias were a lot different than the ones we're seeing today.
0: Well-regulated militias were actually quite important to the founders. They believed they were a bulwark against tyranny. And they were worried that the big, strong, new central government might crush these state military forces. So what they did is they said, we will have a militia.
3: All able-bodied residents between certain ages are available to be called forth by the government in defense of the state. And once called forth, they answer to the government, they're trained by the government, they're directed and regulated by the government.
0: The federal government was requiring everyone to be in the militia, but the states started to try to get around it in the early 19th century because it was so unpopular. So they created laws that said there is an organized militia and an unorganized militia. And anybody who wants to participate in the militia actively will be part of the organized militia. That later became the National Guard.
5: This new arrangement, titled the Militia Act, will also be referred to as the Dick Law after its sponsor, U.S. Senator Charles Dick of Ohio.
4: Yes, the Dick Law made a clear separation between organized and unorganized militias. And furthermore, None of you are even paying attention right now, are you? You're just thinking about dick law. You're sitting there giggling, thinking about dick law, huh? You're so immature. I'm trying to give you information and now you're probably imagining it as a new law and order spinoff. Go ahead then, take your time. Ha ha, dick law. In fact, I'll show you a logo for the show if this will move things along, okay? You happy now? Then, then The point I was trying to make is, like freedom of speech, and trash ass weaves, militias go back to the very beginning of America. Early America needed everyone to be ready to defend it at a moment's notice. You know, it was a different world with different needs. I mean, hell, Canada was a threat to America back then, which is wild. It's like finding out Mr. Rogers used to be a cage fighter. Whew, things have changed. But in today's age, militias are a lot like wiping your ass with leaves. They used to be all we had, but with all the progress society has made, if you're still doing that shit, you're probably a little crazy. And in fact, once militias were folded into the National Guard, unofficial militias sort of disappeared from America. Well, at least for a while. But in recent years, they started to reemerge in a much different and disturbing form.
1: Armed paramilitary groups first got traction in the early 90s with high profile clashes in Ruby Ridge, Idaho and Waco, Texas. Their numbers dropped after the Oklahoma City bombing, but they've been on the rise since President Obama took
2: office. It is in part a reaction to the election of America's first black president. These groups start to expand very rapidly, I think largely in response to the idea that the United States is becoming less white.
1: You don't like blacks. You're racist and everything like that because he's a black president. No, I don't care what color he is. There's something not right
3: about him. Militias grew nearly 800% during Obama's presidency as conspiracy theories, exaggerations, and rumors surfaced online and in the far-right media.
1: They're gonna take your guns under the ruse of preventing war.
3: There were fears that he'd try to stay in office indefinitely, that he was a socialist and a Muslim, even one wild rumor that he was going to invade Texas.
4: Wow, militias exploded once Obama became president? Well, 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 we meet again, racism. I've been expecting you. It's almost like Obama became president and then the entire country locked its doors. And looking back on it, it's so funny that these guys thought Obama was gonna try and stay president forever and invade Texas? Because as soon as he could, Obama was out! Winning Oscars and kite-surfing Richard Branson. Uh, so long, uh, bitches. And you know, it's so weird how this stuff works. Because these people openly admit to every single conspiracy theory that they believe. But as soon as you ask them if it's because Obama is black, then all of a sudden they're like, what? Come on, man. No way. It's, it's that other thing that that we don't like about him. Oh, what's that? Well, he's, he's, he's so tall. I mean... What is he doing up there? So, modern militias are not real military organizations, but what sets them apart from other violent gangs is that they tend to act as if they are. These people are incredibly
3: dangerous. They're running around like a bunch of GI Joes, armed to the teeth. Groups of civilians who are creating military structures in their organizations, collecting and storing arms, ammunition.
2: This is The Kill House. Move. Part of a training ground for a right-wing militia in the American South. This is for uh, conducting military operations in urban terrain. Um, We want to practice and rehearse
5: moving up to these structures.
1: You always want to be prepared for whatever could possibly come
4: up. I'm training for uh, a type of event that uh, I will be wearing this 24-7.
3: If getting off the couch and doing something is extreme, then yeah, I'm, I'm an extremist.
4: Uh... I don't think it's the getting off the couch aspect that makes you an extremist. I mean, there's a lot of middle ground between getting off the couch and decapitating mannequins in the woods because that dude was purposefully describing the most benign part of what he was doing. It's like Hannibal Lecter saying, well, if setting the table and listening to classical music makes me a cannibal, then I guess I'm a cannibal. No, dude, it was the eating human liver part. You, you eat humans. Ah, oh, yes, that too. <laughs> what I don't get about these militias is that if you want to dress in army fatigues and train for war, you can do that in the military and they'll pay you and they give you healthcare. This is like someone picking up strangers and then just driving them around a city for free. Oh man, join Uber, get yourself some of those stars. And look, it's clear that these dudes have a warped ideology. But a big part of this is just that these guys clearly need friends. They're lonely, they're scared of change, And this malicious stuff gives them a sense of community. But because of toxic masculinity, the only way they can feel comfortable bonding is if it's based around violence. I just wish one day, one of them would just be like, hey guys, instead of spending all weekend canning beans and shitting in the woods, do you guys maybe just want to go out for brunch? Thank you, I thought I was the only one thinking that. I know a place that makes a great eggs benedict. So. Today's militias are less organized and more heavily armed than the original ones. But there's another big difference too. While the 18th century militias were formed to protect the country, the 21st century variety usually wants to rip the country apart. Most of the men charged with a criminal plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer have ties to the Boogaloo movement.
5: The Boogaloo is a term taken from the title of a 1984 comedy. It started as a meme among gun rights activists to refer to a popular uprising. Then in May, the Boogaloo jumped into the real world when armed men in Hawaiian shirts protested lockdown orders in Michigan, Texas, and North Carolina. Those Aloha
2: shirts, they're not for a luau. Homeland Security and the Department of Justice have labeled them as a violent extremist group.
0: This group is a a very serious potential threat. They've already been linked to two deaths in California, one including a, a federal officer.
2: Their ideology is based on a notion of an impending second American civil war,
4: which they call Civil War II electric boogaloo. So hold up. If I understand this correctly, the first civil war was fought to end slavery and then the second one will be because some assholes were bored? And people, did I miss the memo where tropical gear became a white supremacist thing? These guys have Hawaiian shirts, the Charleston white supremacists had tiki torches. What's next? Instead of burning crosses, is the KKK gonna start roasting pigs? What these people don't seem to understand is that a second civil war would be a disaster for America. Because not only would it kill millions and destroy the country, also we would all have to grow mutton chops again. And I don't think I can pull off mutton chops. Or could I? Actually, you know what, maybe, maybe I could look good in mutton chops. Okay, you know what, I'm ready. Let's do a civil war. Yeah, I think I'm, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the story of how militias started in America, what they've turned into, and why they've become one of the biggest threats to the United States of America. And if you don't know, now you know. All right, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, Roy Wood Jr. goes back to his panel of black voters to find out how black people are gonna vote. (gasps) All of them? You don't wanna miss it.
2: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarsella. Putting bad guys away, there's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away for murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation.
4: And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
2: Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars.
4: We never knew we had the same
1: cop in the case. It's Scarcella. We got to show that he's a
2: corrupt cop. They can go f- themselves. I'm Steve Fishman, and I'm Dax Devlin Ross, and this is the burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts.
4: Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. During primary season, Roy Wood Jr. sat down with a group of black voters in the Atlanta area for what was a very interesting discussion. So interesting that this week Roy decided to check in on them again. Back when it was still safe to go
0: outside, I went to Atlanta to speak with some black voters. Actually, I went to go to Waffle House, but I did talk with voters. Now I've reconvened some of the members of that panel to get their thoughts about the election that's just a few weeks away. Good to see all of y'all again. I know we can't do this in person like we did last time. How do you feel about this year's election?
1: It's gonna be interesting to to see if we could get a new person in office that's 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 gonna help get us moving versus Trump. I think Biden has a chance of winning. He has what eight years experience as vice president.
6: And he's not Trump, so I would vote a cat over Trump. Doesn't matter at this point.
0: What if it was a three legged racist cat?
3: Ooh, how racist.
0: The cat, like, it bite Black people at protests. Racist. Yeah, still still the cat. Okay, the cat. So, Chris, I talked with you last year, and we knew where you stood then. Chris, who do you think best understands the needs of the Black voter? Donald Trump. Huh? I'm sorry. Has that position changed now that you've seen COVID kill a disproportionate number of black people? Then You've gotten unemployment and everything going. Has anything that's happened in 2020 swayed you off of Trump in November?
1: No, it hasn't changed my position on Trump. Absolutely not. And I, and I don't agree with what you said about the virus killing black people either. Oh, okay. He has obviously been in a cage somewhere. He has no idea what's going on. Chris Chris is not in a cage. I'm completely contact in connection with the people out here. But Chris, aren't you disappointed about something? Uh I feel bad for what's going on with other people out there. People losing their jobs, absolutely. Selection year's been brutal. Get past this election year, everything's gonna get back to normal with my man Trump in the White in the White House
0: the normal like pandemic, forest fire, black people getting shot, no justice. You talking about that normal? No, I'm talking about the
1: American normal.
0: You talking about the white supremacists like being all crunk and running around and no, causing trouble like, about the it. protest normal?
1: Know, yeah, I don't see white supremacists running around in the street, Roy. I don't see I don't see anybody dropping dead from COVID. I haven't seen that yet.
6: Well me personally, I lost two people. My aunt and uncle within
3: five days of each other due to COVID. So it is real and it is a thing as some people may not think that. We had a very close family
1: member that passed away back in March from COVID. My brother-in-law died from it, so it's very personal. My condolences to those that have lost loved ones, okay? But it's like when when you turn it around and try to blame it on somebody else, and then when they're actually trying to help you, by like getting the vaccine together. It's like, no, Trump can't do anything right.
6: Uh, Trump disbanded the pandemic response team. So this whole thing could have never happened if he didn't
1: do that. But anyways. We are in trouble as a nation right now. And we've been dealing with this the entire year. It's been going on the whole 2020.
0: Well, I mean, Bad Boys 3 did come out in January. Let's not act like 2020 was completely bad.
1: Oh,
0: my God. Don't get me wrong. All this is terrible, but also Bad Boys 3. Looking back at 2020, I like to count the good things to keep me from dwelling on how Trump downplayed a pandemic that is disproportionately killing black people. But at least we finally know the answer to his question. To the
2: African-American community, what
0: the hell do you have to lose? Monica, what advice would you give to Biden and Kamala to ensure that they lock up this election?
5: Be true to your word. Wait,
0: hang on. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Tell Biden. Don't tell me. Tell Biden.
1: Be
5: true (laughs) to your word.
1: Be be true to who you are. Be true to your word. Hey,
0: baby, what's going on? I'm the president. Just talk to me and I'll tell Joe whatever you need him to know. Just tell me.
1: Let's get this country back up and moving.
0: Lucille, what would you say to Kamala to ensure a victory in 2020?
1: Um, come on, I
0: like you. I like you, too. You are such a nice-looking lady. Somebody say nice-looking ladies.
1: Joe! We need to get all the minorities, everyone, well, we need to get all the people out to vote, especially the minorities. Lucille,
0: Black people often feel that no matter whether they vote Democrat or Republican, they get the short end of the stick. So a lot of them choose to not vote. What will you say to Black people that are choosing to not vote this election?
1: We have to still try If we don't vote, we know nothing is going to change. But at least if you do vote, you know you tried. Democrat or Republican, you know, doesn't matter. Left wing, right wing, get out, get involved, and vote. And there you have it.
0: Despite all the things we fight about, there are some things we can all agree on. One, COVID is real. Two, if we all vote, Black people could decide the next president. And three, there's really only one sane option.
1: Biden. Trump.
4: Trump 2020, baby.
1: Well, two out of three, ain't there?
4: Thank you so much for that, Roy. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to the one and only Wilma Valderrama about working on NCIS and what he's been getting up to during COVID. You don't want to miss
3: it. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
2: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away for murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation.
4: And the lawyer was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
2: Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars.
1: We never knew we had the same cop in the case. It's Garcella. We gotta show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f
2: themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts.
5: old-school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with actor and activist Wilma Valderrama. We talked about returning back to work on NCIS, the importance of the Latino community in the upcoming presidential election, and what it's like to live next door to your mom. Wilma Valderrama, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
6: Man, such a pleasure to be here, man. Absolutely, such a fanatic. So thank you for your voice and everything. So happy to be here with you.
4: No, man, it is honestly my pleasure because I've enjoyed watching you over the years. I mean, you, you've done everything, you know, from being one of the funniest people uh, as playing Fez in that 70s show and then being one of the most hardcore people on NCIS. I wanted to know, as somebody who was solving crimes all the time, when you couldn't do your show during coronavirus, were you trying to solve crimes at home? How were you keeping in shape, being like a like a naval detective? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had my mom just like
6: uh, hiding, hiding stuff from me so I could just like look for it, you know, (laughs) really, really go back and, you know, back to my steps, you know. But um, no, yeah, it's been it was it was really interesting, man, because, you know, you you get into a a rhythm of doing what you do. And in that moment, we were kind of called to, (laughs) you know, just just be a human, be a a human being and and sit back and like be okay with um, the uncertainty
4: a lot of people were separated and still are separated from their families, but you made a decision that I thought was crazy when you made it, when I heard about it. You know, they said Wilma bought his mom a house, and I was like, that's amazing. Then they were like, next door to his house. Then I was like, this guy's crazy. Cause Wilma, I love my mom, but I would not buy her a house next door to me. Like, that must've been like the greatest gift during Corona now, because obviously your family could be together, but surely at some point you were like, this is a crazy decision. It,
6: it, it was, it, it was, it made so much sense when I was
4: thinking it, you know? <laughs>
6: <laughs> and then I realized, oh, oh, we're like a fence away. But you know, look, here's the thing, like the, the house is really divided by some really aggressive, you know, bushes and, and greenery, yeah. you know? There's no direct shot at my windows, you know? So that felt, that felt, that felt, uh, that felt safe. Um, but you know, like you said, you know, the timing for it was really crazy. I mean, just to see your mom's face, you know, your, your mom, especially as an immigrant, I mean, you can, you can appreciate this, you know, the sacrifices they make before you can even have a sense of memory. So having her next door is amazing. And also as I look into the future and having children, I mean, that's like a built-in babysitter too. You know what I mean?
4: Like, Oh yeah, that's. That's what people forget. That's what I, I tell people all the time. As I go, you, you move to like a, a Western country and all the things that they left from like third world countries are the things that they have to do. You have to buy babysitters. My mom has always said, I am the babysitter. Don't worry about those things. One of the most amazing things I saw was on your Instagram during the, like the, the worst moments of this pandemic is where you, sh- you used your Instagram to tell stories about essential workers. You know, you started a little series called Six Feet Apart. And it was a really beautiful showcase of everyone, whether it was people delivering food, whether it was people helping others, you know, whether it was healthcare workers. Tell me why you did that and why you felt like you would give your platform to them and it wouldn't be about you.
6: You know, I went to the grocery store and, you know, my my local uh, grocery worker, you know, I I always say, hey, what's up, what's going on? You know, and I always ask questions about their family and all that. And and then this day, um, this was like probably, I don't know, two, three weeks into the pandemic. And I asked, how are you doing? And I'm doing okay. And I say, why are you doing this okay? What's going on? And then they were telling me that, um, I don't know what it was, but it was waking things up in people that they've never expected. You know, regular customers yeah. would come in and and they would be very, you know, they would be very affected by anxiety. And they had this yeah. moment to themselves where they would just lash out. And when she said that to me, she said it with like her voice was scrambling, like she's never been talked to that way she's always kind of in a way being invisible to people and now for the first time they're now a target so but the point is that I realized that we were very removed for what it is like for the people that have to be there for 12 hours handling your money bagging your groceries Mm -hmm. cleaning the stuff after you you know and and I just felt like we were better than that. And I, the idea was to say, let me amplify voice more than anything. Like, in my opinion, it's the same opinion as all of us who are in the house, you know? But I think that if we can have a level of awareness um, of, like, what it's like or what it takes,
4: mm-hmm. you
6: know, maybe we can
4: have a little moment of, of, of harmony. Uh, Wilma Valderrama's story has always included having people be counted, which is, uh, you know, the, the name of one of the initiatives that you started with America Ferrera, where you, you said, we have to get out there And we have to get people counted. We have to get people registered to vote. We have to get people uh, to be a part of the process that defines their lives. Tell me about this process and tell me what you still think needs to be done for the Latino community in America. One aspect of it is awareness, right? But the other
6: one is self-awareness. I think our communities have not discovered, you know, uh, their vital uh, uh, presence into our country. You know, I think that... For most of us immigrants, you know, sometimes we are tend we are tend to push into a belief system that we are still a guest in this country, Mm -hmm. and therefore we don't have a a a seat at the table. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like sometimes we're taught that, like, you know, that um, hey, listen, you should be just grateful that you're here. You know, And, and and the truth is that until we understand how many of us are here, until we understand that it's not just one of us in a full neighborhood that. A lot of our neighbors can relate to our interests, to our likes and to our views, and most importantly, can relate to our cultures, uh, no matter where you're from. So now when you look at the census and you think about, oh, what are the senses? What is this thing? And, you know, having to tell people, look, there's no citizenship uh, questions. There's no anything. This is really to understand how many of us are in a neighborhood and what programs need to be tailored to the needs of our specific you know, communities. And, um, you know, there's a level of confidence that come with that. Um, And then you have to pivot that confidence and that ability to know that there's more than two of us in a neighborhood, um, that we now, uh, if there's one or two of us in a household uh, eligible to vote, that it is critical that you represent your household because too much has been sacrificed, man, like... Right. Like now is the moment where we use all those sacrifices and we pay Mm -hmm. it forward. Right. So I I think that that's that's to me is the uh, the outlook and why it's so important. I think that, you know, when I talk about self-awareness and the self-importance and understanding that there is such a critical moment right now in multiple states that historically has never happened. You talk about Pennsylvania, you talk about Texas, you talk about Florida, you talk about Arizona and how small of a number of the Latino community would take for it to flip. I mean, this is a moment that uh, we gotta celebrate, ma'am. I mean, we've done the work and now we have the numbers and now we have the the demand to ask that seat at the table.
4: Time to celebrate, a uh, time to be counted, a time to stand up and do something. I'm happy that you're back on set. Uh, we're excited to see the new season. Wilma, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It it's such a pleasure, brother. Thank you, my man. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, if you're registered to vote in this election, then it's very likely that you are eligible to vote early. So please, Do it. Go to votevotevote.com to check your early voting options and make sure that your voice is heard. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and please, before you kidnap the governor, try to kidnap the anger in your own hearts. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com.
1: Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.
0: This has been a Comedy Central podcast.
3: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.